I don't think I've ever enjoyed a Willem Dafoe movie. He used to sleep with a bust of Nelson. My dreams were warm asses. How'd you find me now? Hello and welcome to How Do You Like Me Now, the podcast where we go back and relive the golden years of kids TV. I'm Will, with me as always is Liz. Hello Liz. Why do you build me up, buttercup? (laughs) Just to bring me down. Let me down? Let you down. (laughs) Mess me around. Mess me around, that's it. And you never call, baby, when you say you will. (laughs) Well, I I was very busy. What were you busy doing, Will? Uh, I've been busy doing all sorts of things, Liz. This is. Uh, well, do you want to a secret, or do you want to tell us something? No, well, I've been at work. I've been I've been working away this week, and uh, yeah, hardworking guy, hardworking man that bread I am, breadwinner. <laughs> Go out and win all that bread. Got to got to got to win that bread. Hunger Games style. That's it. Yeah, I'll Just stab for a, a rye loaf. I'll I'll cut a bitch for a baguette. That's. Uh, <laughs> I'm so I've sorry. heard that, but that's why you're banned from Sainsbury's. That is, yes. That and other reasons. I can't remember if you told people about what happened to me in Sainsbury's a few weeks ago. Oh, well, I was just joking, but... Um... <laughs> oh, no, okay, actual story. Are you actually banned from Sainsbury's? No, I'm not actually banned from Sainsbury's. I left before management intervened, so that's... Right. <laughs> I, I basically, I got into a fight with... Uh, I didn't get into... I, get, I did. I got into an argument with... Uh, right, I was looking for a punnet of strawberries. Of course you were. Okay. Of course you were. Because who doesn't love some strawberries in summer? You especially love some strawberries. Oh, I do, yeah. 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 <laughs> you could get good strawberries, haven't you? Yeah. And you can't always tell by looking at the top of the packet. No, because they might have pushed all the best ones up there. Well, absolutely. Might be a rotten one at the bottom. Plus, they always got all the lettering on the front. You can't you can't see it. So I picked up one and I thought, oh, those look a bit mealy. Picked another one. That's not too good. And then I picked up like four and I was like, okay, I've got the fourth one. I was like, great. Okay, that's a good one. So I put that in the, in the basket. And then this guy um, started having a go at me because I'd picked up multiple punnets of strawberries. And you were breathing on them quite strongly. Well, I do. That's what I do. I have to breathe heavily when I go around the supermarket. No, you were wearing a mask, right? Yeah, I was wearing a mask. I've been double jabbed. You know, I'm, I'm. Well, he doesn't know that to look at you. He doesn't know that. He did know that when mask, I told him. You know, you're not licking the strawberries. No, this is it. And and the end of the day, I'm. He was like, you know, you've picked up, you've picked up four punnets of strawberries there. You know, how, how do I know you haven't got COVID? I said, well, I'm double jabbed and I've got a mask on, and, and no, I haven't got COVID, and I've done. Lateral flow test this week, so I know I haven't got COVID. And he was like, uh, and I was left thinking, well, hold on, mate, you come to a supermarket at four o'clock in the afternoon. This supermarket's been open since like seven. Yeah. How many people have touched these punnets of strawberries? Oh, everybody's fingering those strawberries. Yeah. Wipe your wipe your produce down when you get home, people. <laughs> you should. Yo, you've got to give them a rinse, haven't you? You've oh, give them a rinse. absolutely. Oh, you've got to. Who, who's just raw dogging strawberries out of a punnet? <laughs> I don't know, Will. <laughs> I do not know. But um, anyway, it got it got a bit heated, didn't it? It did get a bit heated, and uh, he threw some swear words at me. Uh, he insinuated that I had a very small manhood. Did he? He did. You didn't like to hear that, did you? Well, I, I, to be honest, I was having a hard week. This was Friday. It was yeah. quite a stressful week. Put you right off the big shop. It did put me right off the big shop. So I may have suggested yes. uh, that if he wanted to inspect the size of my manhood, he could come over here and do so. <laughs> To put it politely, <laughs> he then decided to hit my trolley. Uh, two very large men in like gym gear intervened and yelled at him. A guy yelled at me for swearing in front of his child. I, I apologise to that man. the 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 guy who was arguing with me went off to try and tackle the two big fellas from the gym, and they 
and so I was like, well, I'm going to beat a hasty exit, at which point I heard the tanner going, manager to the produce aisle, please. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Well, I had the smart shop, so I was there, boop, boop, scanned, and I was in the car and gone. So, oh, you love that smart shop. Oh, it's a revelation. Leave the engine running. <laughs> <laughs> in out 10 minutes, I'm done. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, I've got to be honest, you know, when you came back, I was very upset that you'd had so much trouble. I don't like to see anyone confronting you, but four punnets does seem excessive. I, I know, but You're I put a that very down. Indecisive man, aren't well, you? I, no, I put that down to I, you know I don't want to give you bad strawberries. I appreciate that. This I is, appreciate that in our marriage. But I've got to say, a visual inspection first, right, and then you pick up maybe two to do a comparison. You 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 can't be picking every single one up. I've, That's I've, just... gone, I've gone too many punnets. If I'd done just two punnets, he might have been accepted. I think based on his tone. I think I think this is like sexual partners, right? Right. Is that <laughs> men always lie, don't they? Right. So you say four, but probably you were on about your eighth. <laughs> That's what I reckon. So you you were picking up loads, and he's just stood over there. He's going, I can't believe that bell end is going to pick up another lot of strawberries. If he picks up one more, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. And I think you just pushed him too far. Pushed him too far. I, I, I'd argue, you know, he, he pushed me too far. Um, you know, and there's no excuse for violence or for... Uh, no, there is no excuse for violence. I accept that. Yeah, or for, or for foul language in a public place. Really? Which is the bit you did. He did it first. Anyway, this is unimportant. This, this is just this is just domestic situations. I've not been back to the Sainsbury's since. But this week, Liz... Right, let's go back. A few weeks ago... <laughs> Sorry. Do you know what's important? <laughs> <laughs> is anything we've ever said on this show important? <laughs> I think if we stripped out all the unimportant stuff, this podcast would be ten minutes long. <laughs> There's no podcast. Don't start stripping out things that aren't important. There's no podcast. Right. Listen, this is important. Listen up. I've wanted to do Brave Little Toaster a long, long time. I've pitched it to you. Yes. We've put it out to the public. It was on. It was on a, at least one vote a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Didn't get selected. I was crushed because this is the one I've wanted. And so I finally, and and then a few weeks ago we said we were going to do it, didn't we? We, we did. were we like, said we're, we're going to go for it. And we'll we do a special. Tell him what we're going to do. And yes. then we've we've just been we have been so struggling for time to do this podcast that it is the one thing that keeps getting dropped. But no longer we've watched it, we saw it today, and now we're going to talk about it. Damn straight. And I'm excited. I can't I can't wait to hear what you made of it. Well, this was my first time ever seeing this. I'd never seen it before. I hadn't heard of it before. You never first heard of it. No, not before I find you, that incredible. Before you first pitched it to me, you know, way yeah. back when yeah. when we did, I think it was one of our first movie specials and we put it up against uh Pokemon the first movie and The Secret of Nim mm. and this came dead last. And I <laughs> <laughs> I feel I need to say it to people. This came dead last. I'd never seen it before, never heard of it before. And I'll be honest, there were a few things about it that surprised me. Um, the first thing was in the credits yeah. when it said Brave Little Toaster based on the novella. Yes, based on the novella. Highbrow. Well, yeah, this is it. Not based on the story or based on the book, by, but based on the novella. Not many things based on novellas these you days. You don't get so many novellas to the pound, do you? No. no. What's a, what is a def, dictionary definition of a novella? It's a short novel. It's a short novel. Yeah. 
people there might be like an, uh, uh, an amount of words you have to hit to be classified as a novella versus a novel but mm. that's that that's essentially what it is is it's a sh- it's longer than like longer than an essay right uh but shorter than a novel i'd love if this was based on an essay i don't because <laughs> that's what the diehard films are they're right. based on an essay. No, no, no. Because oh. Die Hard, right? Film. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, that seems incredible. Die what Hard... was the thesis? <laughs> Die Hard was a film in its own right. Fine. Die Hard 2, Die Harder, film in its own right, sequel to the, to the first. Fine. Die Hard 3 was based on a short story. Okay. But basically, someone wrote a short story, which is basically the plot of Die Hard 3, and someone optioned it for a film went, hey, you know who'd be great in this? John McClane. So sure. that's where you get Die Hard with a Vengeance. Die Hard 4 is based on an essay. An essay. Yes. Because <laughs> Die Hard 4 is the one with Justin Long and Timothy Oliphant, where he's basically uh, taking over the country by, you know, wiping out the internet and wiping out utilities and banks and everything else. And they call it a fire sale. And the whole idea is that, you know, it's called fire sale because everything must go. If you take out basic utilities, if you take out credit functions, things like that, you can wipe out basically humanity in like three days okay. because everything is so dependent on computers and and you know uh, system optimization whatever you know an automation it's if you take these key things out society will collapse in a matter of days so someone wrote an essay about this and then they went hey that essay would be a good idea for a diehard film i don't know what diehard five was based on no i'm guessing scribblings on a napkin it was based on a thought <laughs> Based on concepts derived from um, my latest shower, yeah, you know, that's amazing. I based on an essay. I didn't know that. Wouldn't have guessed it. I'm astounded to find out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. That is brilliant. Well, yeah, this is based on a novella. Uh, so I'll tell you a little bit about it. Okay, okay. so we get into it. It's from 1987, year I was born, and it's kind of like uh, what it's Disney's rejects. Basically, right. So John Lasseter, who is at Disney at this time, but goes on to be part of Pixar, or you know, one of the main uh, founders. Um, he wants to do this this novella, and he wants to do it with CGI. And Disney go, well, um, is that going to be cheaper than doing a a regular animation? And he's like, no, no, it'll be the same. And they're like, don't talk to us unless it's cheap, because <laughs> that was Disney in the late eighties, yeah. cheap. So. Basically, he's not allowed to do it. They throw it out to Hyperion. And Hyperion, Disney are giving them some money, so it, I suppose it technically comes under them, But it and it uses some of the same staff, but really it's just its own separate thing. So what they're doing is they're incredibly pushed to get this made, which is why the animation's a little more shonky than you might like. And, um, yeah, it's basically there's no love right, from Disney for this film. But there are lots of people who work on Pixar later on mm-hmm. who have ideas. And it's all this is thought of as like the lost Pixar film. Oh, right. Because it's not technically under them. They don't exist yet. But it's like the ideas are starting here. It's about these inanimate objects. It's obvious when you get into the plot, the kind of comparison with Toy Story. Mm. It's absolutely... The same, the same film. Really. Oh yeah, and yeah, I just think there's something really wonderful, like in how what they're trying to do, like the drama of it, 
the emotional pull is what Pixar do really well. Yeah. I, I have sobbed my guts out to Pixar movies, <laughs> and that all starts right here. They yeah. don't know entirely what they're doing yet, but they, this is the genesis, you know? And there are bits on this that really pluck at the heartstrings. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're going to get into that. Yeah. Because this, um, because it had no love, didn't get a major theatrical release. It was only in a few like cinemas and stuff. But it became a big hit on like home movies and stuff because oh. once people would buy it on video and it was on TV, which is where I saw it. It used to be on, you know, TV shown quite a lot. It's it is so emotional that you just you just get pulled into it. So it became kind of a cult hit and a hit later on. Okay, okay. See, I can see that. I mean, and this thing not. Not knowing going into it that it was Pixar. Now you've told me that. Looking at it, I think, okay, of course, one of the central characters is a lamp. Lampy, yeah. <laughs> Let's get into the characters, okay? Because yeah. that's who we're following is these these objects, and it's just it's just their story. It's almost like a kind of um, Homeward Bound, uh, that kind of yeah, it's it, thing. Exactly, it's exactly that. Yeah. Their owner has left them. They're in a, a like a cabin, and they, uh, uh, you know, they're they're no humans around so it's just them keeping each other going and they decide to go on the incredible journey and find the master <laughs> um but yeah let's get into the characters okay because we've got um lampy as you mentioned i don't know what you think about lampy if there's a kind of uh character trait that came across to you i mean i i think there's kind of like a a, a naive kind of innocence bordering on stupidity i think if i had to equate him to another pixar character yeah i'd probably say rex from toy story okay i get that yeah i think he's quite close to rex i think he's almost animal like like a dog or something yeah he's got a lot of energy which may be a pun i don't know um (laughs) but he's not very bright (laughs) also an anti-pun i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah then you've also um obviously you've got the toaster Mm -hmm. who is the the, you know the, the title character yeah so you expect them to be incredibly brave. Yeah, you do. And and to be honest, really to be sort of taking the lead, but there's kind of a reluctance in their in their leadership. They, it's not very leadery. Well, no, and I think part of it is and I, the thing is I I liked that because this is you're dealing with a fish out of water scenario. Sorry, a toaster out of water scenario, <laughs> right? Where these appliances have gone from an environment they know to an entire new world. And they're all a bit shaken by it. And mm-hmm. actually, Toaster, who's kind of the the genesis of this, will go and find the master, go on the, the journey. Actually, a lot of the, isn't the one who's leading the charge, which you'd kind of expect a lot of the time. They're all it is very sort of symbiotic. They all get on board. They all have their roles to play. Yeah. So we've also got Clock Radio, mm-hmm. who's the only one without a face. Which yes. I find strange. Uh, we've got. A Hoover, who's mm-hmm. a very sort of deep-voiced, grumpy Hoover. And then we've got the electric blanket, who's voiced by a kid. So they have a, like a babyish quality to them. So yeah. that's it, basically. It's them and their story. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing in the house... So we meet them in the, in the, in the cabin. The only other thing there that seems to be alive is the AC unit. Yes. The AC unit now... When the AC, the AC unit is very grumpy and very cynical, and when the AC unit first spoke, I was like, okay, this kind of sounds like 
someone doing a Jack Nicholson impression. Okay. From, you know, the days when he was, like, playing the Joker and stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, well, no, actually, it sounds like Willem Dafoe doing the voice of the weasel that he does in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, right. And I couldn't place who it was, but it's it's a great, great voice. It is... It is Phil Hartman doing a Jack Nicholson impression. Right. So it is meant to be Jack Nicholson-esque. And there's a couple of other voices in this that are sort of like impersonations. Mm. But yeah, he's doing a Jack Nicholson impression. Possibly Willem Dafoe's uh, career has been a Jack Nicholson impression. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe that's where you're getting that from. I'm going to tell him you said that. And are I don't you? think he'll be happy. He's not going to be happy with me, is he? <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll live. I don't think I've ever enjoyed a Willem Dafoe movie. No? I wasn't expecting to say that today, but do you know what? No, no, I don't think I have. (laughs) Now that I come to think of it, I don't like Willem Dafoe. Me and Willem Dafoe have got beef. (laughs) You've got beef with Willem Dafoe? Yeah. Wow, when did this beef start? Like 30 seconds. You were listening to it, Will. (laughs) (laughs) You just didn't realise till now. Just didn't realise till now. Not into him. Don't like him. Wow. Yeah, I'm over him. The Sam Raimi Spider-Man is not... uh... Now, come on, Will. Try harder than that. Seriously. You know, you know I'm not going for the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, don't you? No way. No way. So those are our characters, though. Those those five people plus the AC unit. And they're spending their days doing chores and radio plays and some songs. And they haven't really got anything else to do. Well, they're just waiting for the master. And there's a very key bit that they say up top is that they've been doing the same thing for 2,000 days. Yeah. So that's to give you a bit of like a timeline of how long it is since someone's been there. That seems a long time. That does seem a really long time. Now, I know they're inanimate objects that don't have real life or whatever, but I don't think I could do the same thing for 2,000... Oh, wait, hang on. How long has lockdown been? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, like, yeah, for 2,000 days they haven't gone to find the master. But then a couple of things happen. On this particular day. Yes. The 2001st day or whatever it is. <laughs> the AC unit is losing it. Yeah. He is sparking off and he is unhinged and he's got like conspiracy theories. And uh, yeah, so he he sort of like shudders out of life. They also, um, they've been waiting for the master. So when they hear something, they all like stack up all the furniture to get to the top to look out of the very top window in the attic because they think it's going to be him. And this is your first clue that this is dark, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're so keen that it's going to be the master. They look and when the car is driving towards them, the blanket starts like tripping and can see him, can see the master running towards him and the blanket is flying and they're like embracing. It was, it's like really, you know, love hearts all round a beautiful moment and then zoom through this comes the car yeah and it drives off on this long winding road and it's they realize it's not the master and there's just this cold emptiness in this house and it's like whoa man whoa that is oh it's terrible and this that you've got this this just left with this sad blanket yes well, we'll talk about the blanket as we go on, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah. But it is a bit of a sad blanket, it, a wet I mean, blanket. Oh, 
not. I mean, yeah, this is the thing. Because the problem is, I wrote "sad blanket" in my notes, and then I was immediately like, "No," because I "sad blanket" sounds like something entirely different. And sad blanket. A sad blanket. No, no one wants a sad blanket. Is it a blanket that you use when you're sad, or something about it that you've done to it that makes it incredibly sad? The latter, inherently mm-hmm. sad. It reminds me of an old housemate of mine who um, was clearing out halls at uh, uni one summer break. Um, after the first year students had gone away, they basically got jobs as hospitality to go and clean out the rooms. And the idea was anything you find, bin it. Even if, you know, whatever it is, bin it, because you, know, you just can't guarantee it. But people would take stuff. So I, someone got like a brand new pair of hair straighteners, like never been out of box. Someone else got a crockery set. People would find like half bottles of like spirits and things like that. So, and you know, and every now and then they we'd have, I was doing something else. We'd meet up at the end of the day and they'd be like, oh, found this today, found this today. And I was at home one day. My housemate came back pretty furious. Mm. And I said, what happened? She said, you're a man. And I said, yes. And she said, would it ever occur to you to do this? And what had happened was the the halls at our uni, if you're in a couple of blocks, they had a massive cupboard over the sink that opened vertically you know like a caravan cupboard and she saw like a big bit of material up there and she's quite short so she went to hook it down um with i think whatever she had with the end of a hoo or something hooked it and the whole thing came down landed on her head right and it was a beach towel right it was a beach towel covered corner to corner in jizz stains when you yes and it it had landed on her head. When you say jizz stains, stains is kind of a nice word, really. You mean you mean it's thickly encrusted. Thickly, <laughs> yes. The worst way I could describe it was thickly encrusted with semen. Well, it's interesting that you think of that as a sad blanket yeah. because one person's sad blanket is another person's happy blanket. I think the thing is it probably starts off as a happy blanket. Yeah. And the more you use it without washing it, the sadder it becomes. That is so true. <laughs> it feels like we just made an incredibly deep point. But we didn't. We're just, just describing some guy's jizz rag. <laughs> so then the question becomes, has this blanket ever been jizzed? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh. I have to edit that out because this is a child. <laughs> <laughs> we've been trying to think of merch, haven't we? We've been, th- we've been thinking, you know, we- we'd like to, um, you know, brand. I don't know what, what the... We-, we were wondering if uh, people out there would like merch of the show. Mm-hmm. I wonder if people would like uh, one person's uh, sad blanket and another person's sad blanket. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I don't think they would. <laughs> One person's jizz rag is another person's sad blanket. <laughs> well, tweet in if you want any of those. <laughs> I always say tweet in because I'm so old. I remember when people used to say call in or write in. All I can think of is tweet in. <laughs> it's it's tweet at. Yeah, tweet, tweet us. <laughs> tweet us, tweet at. <laughs> Tweet in if you want a sad blanket t-shirt. You can and do, now... what, do with it whatever you like. <laughs> Meanwhile, here's the Commodores. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, so after this. After what? After well, after the scene where the, the, the blanket's fever dream, that the car comes crashing through yeah. and the car goes, and the AC unit has 
given out because it's hit this pit of despair, yeah. they come to the conclusion that... There's a for sale sign goes up. Yeah, that's it. That's the thing. That's, that's the, the catalyst. That is. They realise they've got to, got to go. And this is where Brave Little Toaster, he come... Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say he. Because Brave Little Toaster's gender is in question. Right. Brave Little Toaster is voiced by a woman. I think that's fairly obvious. Yes. Because there, there are many, many male cartoon characters that are voiced by women, but you can tell that it's supposed to be a male. Mm-hmm. This isn't one of those. It's a woman's voice. And she was acting it as a female character, but they didn't want a female no, yeah, toaster. I, you, you, I think it's a smart ploy not to gender the toaster. Well, some people think of it as a non-binary toaster. Okay. Which I'm into, yeah, obviously. I'm on board for that. Yeah, okay. So the toaster, gender non-specific, we don't know its feelings on the matter. Um, and I think, it, I think it uses it pronouns because it's an appliance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a weird conversation. I mean, I'd like to congratulate you on holding it together when I said gender the toaster. Um <laughs> Oh, pleasure of the blanket, Jen, to the toaster. <laughs> I haven't even got in onto the vacuum cleaner. Right, now, um, anyway, there's a, oh, there's also a sad moment with um, the AC, after the AC unit like is losing it, where they fight over the picture of the master mm. that's in a frame um, by on the bedside, and um, the, the frame breaks, but Blanky picks up the 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 photograph anyway to take it with him. So this is, you know, how we know what the master looks like. He's got big spectacles and ginger hair and looks freaky, freaky looking kid. Freaky looking kid, you reckon? Freaky looking kid, yeah. Yeah. Didn't, didn't trust him. Well, what interests me is that he has a framed photograph of himself on his bedside. Yeah, that's a warning sign. So every night when he goes to sleep, he looks at himself and goes, ah, oh, night night, you know. It's not a picture of a loved one. That wasn't in his parents' room or even just on the mantelpiece or in the lounge. That's his bedside table. So he he is looking at himself every night. That's incredibly weird. Like I if, think that's weird. I think if you are a person in a photo... Like, if it's a group shot of there's two of you, if like it's photo of you and like a pet or you and a loved one, I can get on board with that. I can understand it completely. But a photo... A portrait photo of you standing square onto the camera. Yep. No. No. Why? Who's who's doing that? I don't believe people do that. If anyone does is doing that, you need to take a long, hard look at yourself or tweet in and tell us why. Tweet in. The only thing worse than that, right? Mm-hmm. Framed picture of the Queen. Yeah. People who don't know the Queen freak me out when they have pictures of the Queen. <gasps> I knew a guy at uni who... In his first year, he what? had... What kind of people did you know at uni? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember his name now. Um, he was uh, quite... I want to say posh. He's not... I say posh in that he basically he spoke with a very uh, clipped, you know, quite upper-class sort of right. well-to-do accent. he had accent. Of money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he did. But then he was also going to our uni living at Halls. Um, but he used to sleep with a bust of Nelson on his bedside. <laughs> <laughs> on his bedside table. A little... Six inch high marble bust of Nelson. I was nearly going to tell you off for going on another deviation so quickly, but you know what? Worth it. <laughs> Imagine if that came to life and came after him. Oh. That'd, be, that'd be weird. <laughs> um, 
anyway, they decide to go like I'm trying to I'm trying to move us on because I feel like this is a part of the movie that could move on a little quicker. Yeah. Like the fact that they go after him, you know that they're gonna go after the master. Yeah. So we just want them to get on at this point. So um they have to figure out how to do it because mm-hmm. obviously they're not that limber. No. They're not, you know. Kirby is the name of the Hoover. He's got wheels. So a lot of these uh, systems are basically him pulling them. They do try briefly to make the blanket into a magic carpet, but that doesn't work, strangely. Oddly enough, no. No. So Kirby has to pull them, and they get a, uh, they rig up a setup with a like a uh, a rolly chair and a battery. Yes, so that they can power his wheels. Question though, because it does seem like none of them actually need power to move around. I wouldn't think too deeply into this because the answer is it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like the lamp will suddenly turn his bulb on and he's not plugged in. Mm-hmm. We can see his plug in the same shot. So it doesn't make sense. Don't try and think about it. <laughs> what I want to know right. is that when they start going, right, because I, I, fine, I get the conceit that they have to take the battery to power the Hoover. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just live with it. Yep. But why is he sucking stuff up? Has he not got control of that? Well, no, he's a Hoover. Okay. Like the you think about it, the way a Hoover moves forward, it's suction that's driving a brush bar that gives you forward motion. I don't think it is. I think you have to push it. Well, yeah, I think you, you do, but I think, but I think you take our Hoover when you start pushing that, that kind of goes with itself as well. <sighs> I don't think that's true, Will. I think you have to push it. Maybe you need the power for more torque. I, I, when this, we're not talking about a um, what is it, Mister Roboto? What are they called? Um, Roomba. Vroom vroom, Roomba. <laughs> Mister Roboto, vroom vroom, vroom vroom. <laughs> Sorry, Mister Roboto, vroom vroom, or Roomba. <laughs> yeah, it's not a Roomba goes by itself. Yeah, right. But a, a vacuum cleaner doesn't. It, they edge forward slightly, but it's they, they, they're going on a mission to the city. Well, yeah, I, I maybe thinking they're going over uneven ground and they go over a lot of hills and stuff he needs that suction to be pulling in like blades of grass and things to give him grip to move forward because you think hoover wheels they've got no tread at all no i was thinking most of these appliances would not have survived this he definitely would have lost a wheel oh completely i mean a a hoover of this type those wheels are crap oh this is an old bag hoover this is it is an old bag hoover we see him empty his bag don't we oh we don't see him he goes behind a tree to do it yes i thought blanket, a nice little joke the, the blanket looks and the toaster tells him off <laughs> it's quite a sweet moment. It is. um but yeah so they, they start out on their journey and it's all right to begin with you know uh at this point we realize there are songs yes i didn't realize there were songs i'd forgotten I think I'd forgotten that because these are very forgettable songs. They are very forgettable. They're songs that don't appear to have a chorus at all. No, no. They're just verse, 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 end of song. Yeah, and even um, like the the first one that we have, I was I was trying to write down something about what it was about, but like the first verse bears no relation to the last one. <laughs> They're not telling the same story. I really wasn't into the songs at all. What I got from this first song was that it was called Go but you don't want to go. Now... No, I think that's only the first verse. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Well, I switched off from the songs. Uh, well, that is clear to me, because I think the first verse is 
is something about go, but you don't want to go. And I was like, I, I could get into that. That sounds like my life. Um, but no, uh, it's called City of Light. Okay. Which is quite a, a change by the end of the end of the verse. Yeah. Because that almost sounds like the convincing song of like convincing to go, but they've already made their mind up because they're already on the road. They're already on the road. This song doesn't know what it's doing. No. I, I feel like a lot of these songs don't know what they're doing. I want to talk though about one of the stops they do make where there's not a song per se, but there is kind of a musical number. With the animals. Yeah, they come across like a pond and there's like a meadow and the whole thing turns into like a Wizard of Oz style trip. There's something a little bit trippy about a lot of this stuff. That what that part reminded me of the um uh like the Toontown in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um where they're all there's like the bit where they're all like waving and there's a big rainbow and then you know Yeah, when he first drives into Toontown and there's yeah. everything's like yeah. dancing around and Yeah. That's a great film. Why didn't we watch that? <laughs> it's a... <laughs> better than this i don't know i don't think i like it <laughs> no it used to scare me as a kid a lot mm. but then this used to scare me we haven't got to the scary bits yet oh, okay. this bit didn't used to scare me as a kid freaked me out a bit this time it's a bit freaky it is a bit freaky the animals are freaky frogs fish the, jumping around there's a fish singing opera there's there's a beaver yeah there's bugs singing in in harmony um, yeah, there's a beaver smacking out percussion on a log with its tail. It's it's all very... They've got a bit of everything, but you don't know why. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end of it, they're all just kind of dancing around. There's like Lampy and uh, and the radio dancing with all these birds and things. And so they all quickly make haste and well, run away. Well, they make haste like Blanky. He's been, you know, wanting his master. He's the one that really wants the master. And these mice come running up to him and he hugs them. And he's so happy that all the mice want to be with him. And he's giving them a hug. And I'm thinking, whoa, now, that boy is not going to want that blanket back. No. Um, but it turns because the, all these mice start dragging him away into their little hole. And it, he's like, you know, trying to get away. And there's loads of mice. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Weird. Why does it have to be so? I don't know why that bit's so weird. I don't know. It's very, very weird because uh, yeah, there, there are there's this element of peril with the blanket being stolen. But then they, yeah, they they make their way and they they get away from it. It's... There is an important part in there though that I don't know if you got, and I don't know if I got it as a kid, and I got some of it this time, but I still don't know if I totally think it works. Which is the part with the flower. Do you get this? Right, no, I didn't get this. I got the, there's a flower. Yes. If if I remember this correctly, there's a flower, and he's looking at the toaster. He's looking at his reflection in the toaster. Yes. Chrome toaster. Mm-hmm. Chrome toaster, yeah. And then the toaster is saying, "No, no, it's a reflection," and trying to get away. Yeah. And then the toaster looks back through the undergrowth. Yeah. And the flower is wilting, and one of its petals is gone. Yeah. I didn't get this. Right, so he he rejects the like advances of this flower, and the flower wilts. Right, right. But the flower is exactly the same yellow as Blanky, and this is what convinces Toaster that he should be nicer to Blanky. So when Blanky is always wanting to like cuddle and have attention and, and affection, that he should go with it. Wow, wow. Because the next scene after this, yeah, 
they're now in a scary wood and they're wandering about shelter and Blanky basically goes over a branch and makes and makes a, a tent for them all. That was one of my favourite moments as a kid mm-hmm. because I was like, I was always so happy that Blanky had like found a way to be useful. Yeah. Because um, I do feel ridiculous saying Blanky so much. Yeah. I never had a Blanky and I don't really like saying it, but that is the character <laughs> name. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Blanky makes themselves into a tent and it's sort of... Um, yeah, it feels like they have a use. Mm. And whereas Kirby's pulling them along and also Clock Radio says that they can tell directions from where they're getting radio signal from and Toaster's the leader and Lamp doesn't really seem to give a shit. They all have their uses, but that's like the first time that Blanky can provide anything else to the others. So I always liked that bit. I was always happy that Blanky was a tent. There is a weird conversation, isn't there's there? There's a very weird conversation. <laughs> very weird. Where basically everyone's going to sleep. And then Lampy says to the toaster, so what's this thing with you and the blanket? Yeah. And it's like, whoa. That blanket's a child. And it's it's like basically asking, are you and the blanket hooking up? Yeah. Which is <laughs> such a weird, I mean, it's such a weird thing to throw in there anyway. It doesn't know it's the thing is they they the, the film doesn't know that that's the insinuation it's making because what they really want there is a conversation about why is your relationship changed with the blanket why are you no longer shunning blanky and what what they do is accuse a toaster of having a romantic relationship with a blanket that is not of legal age <laughs> It's such a weird. It is weird. The, the conversation I, is weird. I couldn't tell what they were shooting for, and because basically Lampy asked this, and then the toaster says, "Well, I feel like I should be nice to him." Yeah. Um, I think it's just him. I feel like I should be nice to him. I think they're all male, yeah. apart from the toaster. Apart from the toaster, who's non-specific. Yeah, and and then basically they talk about this whole like you know. It's like when you've got a, a loaf of bread next to you and it's a toaster trying to explain toaster emotions to a lamp who can only understand lamp emotions. I did and quite this like is, that. I, it's, it's a sweet little thing. It's a weird thing to try and repeat back, but it's a, it's a sweet little thing. And they kind of land on this like a glow feeling, which I think, yeah. okay, well, that's like, a, that's, you know, that's love. That's that feeling of love. It's still, and so I, I kind of, I kind of get why that scene's in there of like, you're building these relationships. The issue I have is it doesn't feel like so far that Toaster has been shunning the blanket. Toaster's been looking out for blanket. Okay, the others have been shunning them a bit. I mean, there's one shun, which is the first night that they set mm. up and blanket wants to cuddle up to everyone. Everyone goes, now nah, I get your own spot, including yeah. the Toaster. But that's the only shunning that's gone on. I think that's it. That was, the, that was enough. Because, you know, at night... They all want their own space, except a blanket who is meant to be for sleeping, you know, cuddled up warm with mm. someone. So, um, yeah, that that was it. That was the moment. That was the shunning. You only get one shun example. How much, <laughs> how much shunning do you want? Well, <laughs> it isn't a film about, you know, the blankie who was shunned. <laughs> That's it's the brave little toaster. <laughs> this, though, leads into a very strange dream. It's a dark... Because well, it starts, it starts off. You've got the toaster 
and the master's there and the master's putting bread in the toaster and he gets a slice of toast out and he spreads some jam on it and chews up and he's looking at his reflection in the side of the toaster going yeah as you know as kids want to do and then suddenly black smoke appears out from behind the toaster Mm. and it turns into a hand grabbing the master and then for some reason there's a clown fireman demon and then there's a bathtub and the toaster's hanging over it and i was like where has all this come from well it's a it's a fear dream but it's what would a toaster be afraid of and you know you're not supposed to put a fork in the toaster so it's scared of forks yeah there's a rain of forks come at it and um obviously there's a whole thing of like you know throw a toaster in the bath and electrocute someone right but so it's scared of the bath yeah i get that but and uh everyone's scared of clowns Okay, yeah, this is the thing. It rapidly, I got the fork thing and I got the fire thing, right? And then rapidly falls apart because one, this toaster, I presume, has doesn't talk about the the time before the master or anything else. So, got to assume that this toaster gained sentience the time it was unboxed and first plugged in. Okay. So, who on earth has put it into its head that toasters are used to commit suicide? It probably watches television. But the TV... Well, it could have done well before the TV left. But... Probably watches television. Who puts all these thoughts in our head? It's the the mainstream media. Yeah. That's who it is, Will. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, like you say, clowns. Yeah, the clown, there's really no justification, but it is frightening as fuck. It is a very frightening clown. It's like it levels of frightening. It's up there with Pennywise. But, yeah, there's no reason for there to be a clown involved in this at all. No, there isn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. no, no recurring uh, motif of clowns. Nothing. I'd just... love it if the toaster did have a secret fear of clowns. Yeah, because that's just an amazing backstory. It's a great little if, character. If there was quirk. a recurring theme of like clowns, and the toaster's going, oh, like the bit where they're on the falls and the toaster gets vertigo. If it had been there, it was a, it saw a clown in the water. That would have been amazing. Blow my mind. Because I would have like loved it and come away with, I want to know why the toaster didn't like clowns. Don't explain it. Just have a constant thing where it's terrified of clowns. Don't ever explain why. That's what I want, right? <laughs> That's what I want. Sorry, was that you want people leaving your movie saying... I want to know why that toaster was afraid of clowns. Yeah, that's a sequel right there. That's the feeling you want to leave them with. <laughs> yeah, in this yeah, one. Yeah, because there, um, <laughs> there are two sequels. Um, oh. Uh, something about Goes to Mars and something about On the Rescue or whatever. But um, Or was... On Mars and Goes to the Rescue. That would make more sense. Mars. There's something about Mars. And it feels... Um, they were made quite a lot later. And I don't think anybody loves them in the way they do this one so it feels like they were just uh, you know oh what have we got knocking about that we could cash grab cash grab um but it does seem unlikely that they delve into the toaster's rich backstory and explain why he he she or they may be afraid of clowns i mean what fertile ground though to go sequel mining Mm. rather than Mm. just let's take a toaster to mars yeah brave little toaster confronts the, the clown demon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They run away to the circus mm-hmm. and have to confront the fear of clowns. Like in like Kevin McAllister and the boiler in Home Alone. Oh, yeah, you've got to get over your fear. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Got to have that. The toaster should have had to kill a clown yes. in order to get back to a home. And then it turns out it wasn't a clown, it was just a clown balloon, but that breaks the fear. 
And when they're actually confronted with a clown, they fire toast at it, blind it with crumbs. I know the movie we watched is strange, but this movie seems a lot stranger. <laughs> well, at least we're not off to Mars. So after this this dream mm-hmm. sequence, we're in a storm, and so there's thunder and lightning, and Blanky, who's been acting as the tent, is snatched away. And I remember this moment as well, a moment of um, not even mild peril, but genuine peril oh. that the Blanky's got. Because this movie, right from the outset, tells you bad stuff is going to happen. So when characters die or get hurt, you really, you really are like, oh God, something's going down. Well, yeah, when the AC unit explodes and they're all like, well, the, and the, the grill falls off. I yep. mean, the fact the reaction is, well, he was a jerk anyway. But still, that's a character who's dead. Yeah, but he was a jerk. <laughs> um, so <laughs> before they settle down for the night, I remember the t- the Hoover saying, the battery is getting low, we need to recharge. And then they stop. But sleep isn't going to recharge a battery. It needs to be plugged into something. So I'm not clear what their plan is. Well, I don't think they understand battery mechanics. No, okay. They I... think they're human because they have sentience. And they sleep. And they do sleep. And they awake refreshed. So... We just shouldn't ask any questions here again. Well, no, I think I think this is the problem. They misunderstand the battery itself is not alive. They misunderstand the battery. So it's weird. What is and isn't alive, isn't it? It is that very battery's weird. got all the life in it, but it's you know it should be the life of the party, <laughs> but it's not. It's just a battery. Yeah. So this is kind of like a vampiric relationship if that battery's alive, but thankfully it's not. The battery's just a an appliance that doesn't have life. Yeah. Okay. Also, why isn't the the office chair that doesn't have any life? But I guess it's no not movie. electric. It's not electric. I think yeah. the electric is something to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we said actually the blanket is an electric blanket. Should yeah. clarify. I don't think oh, we yeah. said that. Oh, oh, have we not said that? <laughs> I don't okay. Because when I was a kid, right, this yellow shape because it moves as like fabric shape, but it has this like sort of pink part on it. Like, mm. um, uh, when I was a kid, I thought that was a bar of soap. <laughs> I didn't know what an electric blanket was. So I thought, oh, they just didn't know where to put the face. So the blanket always comes with soap. <laughs> you know, like all good blankets do. I I made that explanation up in my head because I did not know what an electric blanket was. Could not conceive of the concept. So I, I just, <laughs> yeah, that was all I could do with that. <laughs> that was the best. I remember very clearly trying to puzzle that out <laughs> i don't know when i became aware of electric blankets <laughs> <laughs> oh do you remember when do you remember that first time you became aware of electric blankets oh you never forget your first i think it was probably through that old joke about incontinence and electric blankets and um do you think i think so i think that's when i first became aware of the electric blanket as something with existence right but, oh what a revelation of having an electric blanket what a revelation <laughs> oh lovely toasty wool winter lovely stuff yeah. 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 Dead of winter, no cold duvet. <laughs> Sorry. Big, big fans of electric blankets in this house. Oh, yeah. Big, big fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't finish a whole one. But, no, uh, no. Total converts, you know, yeah. from not knowing what one was to now. Couldn't live without it. Mm-hmm. I would like, ideally, everything I sit on to be heated. I've sat in a car now with heated seats. Yeah. Not our car. We haven't got the money. But other people's cars, lovely stuff. 
I want my ass to always be toasty warm. Yeah. Oh, what, yeah. That's what you want. Toasty warm ass. Toasty warm ass cheeks wherever I go. <laughs> wherever I go. That's the dream. It, to be able to everything my ass touches, to have a switch on it where I can up the heat. That's the dream. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I, I think of in the future. I don't think of like, you know, flying cars or whatever else. I think of warm ass cheese. <laughs> Morning, noon and night. <laughs> a chicken in every pot and a warmth on every ass. <laughs> That's what Roosevelt was going for with the New Deal. Uh, Speaking of Roosevelt, yeah, a lot of Roosevelt references um, in this. There are a lot of Roosevelt references. I'm guessing the novella was written in the time of Roosevelt? Well, uh, maybe. I think it's also, it's the kind of thing I think lends itself well to radio. That kind of classic, you know, like radio sort of new dateline news. President Roosevelt today. Yes, because the the little clock radio, um, it's again, it's this um, uh, almost the I couldn't think of it the other night, like bumblebee thing. Yes, of like talking a bit through the radio, so using the broadcasts and but only a little bit. Mm. But the voice of the clock radio is John Lovitz, who. People, if they don't remember the name immediately, would definitely know his face and his voice because he's done many. Um, he's he always guest spots in uh, yeah. TV shows. Very incredibly funny guy. Um, but he, when he got this job, was not yet in SNL. Right. But during pre-production for this this uh, film, got the you know got the job. Oh right. And so. They, he was like not going to be able to hang around and record it so, because the script wasn't even quite quite there yet. But they rushed. They were like, "Stay, you know, a few more days." They rushed it and recorded almost all of his dialogue in one huge like marathon session. Amazing. So he did everything he could in that one day, and then the director, I think, um, or one of his uh, writers, filled in for him for other bits which is why there's very subtle like times you can hear differences in the um the radio but you sort of just think of it as the radio using whoever's voice yeah i think it really works yeah yeah it works really well i wouldn't have known if you hadn't said that yeah yeah. yeah it's a nice bit of trivia it's a good good little trivia spot that that's that's cool so we've had this i mean there's one thing i want to talk about with this storm though and um, because we got into the battery and this is this was a moment. Oh, I, we're talking about the battery. We're talking about the battery. Yes. This this was my first like emotional gut punch in this film. Yeah. Is that you know obviously Blanky's been pulled up into the trees. They're all looking for him. Lampy's trying to shine the light, but he's running out of power. He tries all the outlets, finds the battery's dead. Someone yells, "The battery's out of you know, power!" So he sees the lightning, and Lampy, who at this point has been a bit dim, bit. Yeah. Dim. Yeah, Dim. Yeah, he's uh, not been very bright. Uh, you know, he's um, please, please move on. <laughs> he clocks that the lightning can charge the battery, so he plugs himself in, jumps up on the, ch- the wheelie chair they're all travelling on, and like cranes to the sky, gets struck by lightning, and recharges the battery. But basically, ends up crumpled and. You see this shot of uh, of forked lightning mm. running through. Lampy, oh. lighting him up, you know, crackling away, and it, yes, it, the battery is glowing. But you're like, unbelievable! Oh, he's like a torture is, scene for Lampy. His bulb is blown. He's covered in soot. He's mangled on the floor. And I thought, 
Oh no, Lampy's dead. Yeah, yeah. You do. Yeah. You definitely do think he's dead. Yeah. Because the next cut is them like you know, trundling along as ever. And then thankfully he pops his head up and he's alive. He's just looking much the worse for wear. He looks a state. He's coughing and he's spluttering and he's you know, I mean as people are when they get struck by lightning. Well they have to find Blanky now. Yes. And they spot him um up in a tree. Right? Mm. Now Kirby the vacuum cleaner, we haven't talked about much, right? Mm-hmm. He's written as kind of a grump, mm-hmm. right? But I've got to say that they don't they don't put enough respect on Kirby's name, for me, personally. No. Because what happens now is this little blanket is up in a tree, right? They manage to throw Kirby's cord, which is apparently massive. If only you could get a... (laughs) We dream of a vacuum cleaner with a cord that long. You could do the whole stairs. Anyway. um, In one go without unplugging. Without unplugging. That's the dream. (laughs) That's your dream. My dream's different. (laughs) My my dream's warm arses. Um, (laughs) The cord goes all the way up over this branch. And I'm I'm thinking, because I don't remember this part, oh... Now the little blanket can grab hold of that and climb down. No. They make Kirby, <laughs> like, suck up his own cord. And he has to go... He's a vacuum cleaner, right? He is fine for trundling along on the ground, but he has to go up into the tree <laughs> to get this little sod and bring him back down again. How he gets back down, I don't know. That's impossible to get down without crashing and <laughs> breaking him up. But he does it without a word of complaint because they write him as a grump. Yeah. But he's never grumpy about the actual like things that he has to do. He gets on and does them. Yeah. It's just that when they land out of the tree, um, he goes, "Now get off of my face!" (laughs) (laughs) This little sodding blanket. (laughs) But he's got the thing is, yeah, and even at the start. He's his he's the one who suggests, you know, we should do what we've done every day, which is do the shorts. Well, he's just dedicated. Yeah. He's not a grump, he's dedicated. Even if you slack off now mm. and the master reappears and the whole house is filthy, he's like, Well, this house is filthy. This vacuum cleaner I bought must be no cop at all, because look how filthy this house is. Gets thrown away. Yeah, exactly. He's like, No, this is self preservation. Yeah. But he has got a fantastic voice though. Brilliantly voiced. I'm glad you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Because um <laughs> Quite by chance, right? Okay. I looked up one of my crushes this week, right? So you know that my my first, my one true love is <laughs> the guy who has like two lines at the end of the film, The Sword in the Stone. <laughs> he's, a, he's a knight called Black Bart and he's got a lovely thick black moustache and the most booming voice and a real sense of justice and fairness and just i i think he's the pinnacle of men no let the boy try uh, he's the pinnacle of men um out in one of my favorite movies but i had i realized i didn't know who did the voice hmm. and so i looked him up before we watched this and it's a guy called thurl ravenscroft excellent name the name is astounding, right? As soon as I saw the name, I was like, wow. The guy, not that impressive. Like, I knew he was going to be, like, somebody who died, like, 60 years ago. But he didn't die that long ago. But um, I wasn't expecting him to look exactly like the knight or anything. Right. But he does look a lot less like he'd have a booming voice than you imagine. I imagine someone who looked like Brian Blessed. You know, big, big booming guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's quite a kind of skinny, sort of um, average guy. Anyway... He's had an amazing voice career, a lot of it at Disney. 
all sorts of um, films he crops up in as a voice actor, also a singer. And you look into what else he's done. He sing, he sang the um, the Grinch. The he's a mean one. Oh he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you imagine that's quite beautiful quite bass, deep. beautiful bass voice, beautiful voice. He's best known, okay, as Tony the Tiger. <laughs> so for years, I've had a crush on the man's voice, who's most famous for going they're great about frosted flakes <laughs> which was kind of a come down but anyway <laughs> it, 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 as soon as this booming voice came in this film today I was like oh my god it's him he's back my love Phil it's you <laughs> and guess what he's voicing my favourite character yeah I was gonna I was gonna save this for a bit later to say to you who's your favourite oh okay Kirby is my definite favourite right okay I love Kirby the fact that I feel like Kirby is me in group projects, you know? Yeah. Everyone thinks they're grumpy, but I'm the one pulling all you bastards along. He's doing all the work. He, he's the only one with forward motion. The rest of these fuckers, they'd be nothing without Kirby. What? They need to put some respect on his name. Well, he tells them as much. He says to them all, you know, after, after he rescues Blanket, he has a go and he's like, you know, I'm I'm here Do What are you lot bringing to the party? To be fair, I don't think he says it enough. I don't think he tells them often enough. Hey, you lot, you're nothing without me. <laughs> nothing. But uh, they come, they've come. they now come to a waterfall. This is Kirby's big moment. Yeah, because the thing is they've got to cross the waterfall. They've got to cross these two gaps. And I don't know exactly what their plan is when they get to the other side, but the solution is that they will, again, taking... Kirby's flex and everyone else's flexes and blanket, they'll string themselves out really long. Toaster will swing over and then they'll swing everyone back across from Toaster. Yeah. That seems like a lot of weight for Toaster to carry, but. No, listen. No, listen. I've got the plan. I've okay. got it. Oh, right? All right. All right. Tell me. You swing Toaster across, right? Mm -hmm. Toaster's there. You're then all joined in a long line. He says, Toaster says to Kirby, give me some slack. We've just seen how long the flex is on Kirby, so all of the others can travel along, pulling each other, right? And then Kirby's on a really long flex. They're all safe. And then jointly, they take the weight of Kirby. Right. Right? Okay. That's how it would work, except the brave little toaster is a scared little bitch. <laughs> Kirby, my man, right? had a total freak out when he saw this water. He basically has some sort of seizure. I don't know, you know, medically what vacuum cleaners are capable of, but he has he has a fit or something. Oh, they start yelling, get the cord out of his mouth. Like, yeah, it's yeah. scary. Yeah. It's weird. And I don't know what they're alluding to, but it's, it's kind of freaky. <laughs> I was worried for Thor. Th not Thor. Uh, uh, Kirby. <laughs> You're slipping. <laughs> anyway, I was worried for him. But they calm him down, like they're good friends, that's fine, that's fine. And they talk him around, and he gets on with the plan. This is what I'm saying. He gets on with it. Toaster lets them down. Toaster falls and pulls every single one of them with him, apart yeah. from Kirby. Yeah. And the moment when Kirby is left alone on the cliffside is devastating. Oh. You see his eyes. All of his friends are gone into the water. 
it's and they pull out for a really long time. Mm. They're giving you the emotional, heart wrenching moment. Yeah. They pull out and they pull out and they pull out to see this small, solitary toaster looking smaller and smaller with this dramatic waterfall beside him. Oh, I'm oh. going, I'm going. Yep. And what happens? I have to tell you, Will, it was only really the musical score which told me that he was going in to save them and not committing suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Because to me, an electrical appliance that jumps into water is ending it. Yeah. But... The emotional score is dramatic, and I think, and it's even better for Kirby. He looks even better because it, this he's conquered his greatest fear, a fear that just moments ago had him totally, um, you know, lost and out of his mind. Mm-hmm. He conquers it to save his friends, yes. and he goes in after all of them, and he rounds them all up, gets them all on his bag, and. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. I don't know why that's so funny you to me. Know. You do know. You do know. You do know. Get small on his bag. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone come perch on my bag. <laughs> if you don't know why that's funny, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment, I yeah. think. So then they're all... Followed by them letting him down yet again. Oh, yeah, because they're dragging him along. Because they... they're dragging him along. I don't know, to give him a rest or something. Well, I, th- I think, yeah. He's, he's full given... of water. Um... I mean, just undo that zip, let the water out. But, yeah, I imagine, probably. It's quite traumatic. He's... Uh, uh, vacuum cleaners don't have zips. Yeah, this is an old one. Old ones have a zip. A zip? Yeah. Really? Well, you zip it and then you take the bag out. Okay. Or you unzip it and empty the bag out straight from there. That's, that's the thing. If you haven't got a separate bag... You had like an old, and that's what it is. He's an old one with like an old cloth thing, and you unzip it at the back. Okay. Yeah. Don't 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 preach Hoovers to me. You you know it all, do you? Well, I know a little bit about Hoovers. I've, you know, I've I've been around a few vacuums in my time. Just to be clear, because we're British, we say Hoover all the time. Yeah. But he is a Kirby. That's his make. That's why his name's Kirby. Yeah. He's not a Hoover. Right. He's a vacuum cleaner. Okay. I just need to make that distinction. Okay. Yeah, clear. <laughs> He's a Kirby. Distinction made. Kirby. Oh, Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we use Hoover as a shorthand, but uh, he's a Kirby. He's a Kirby. I just want it to be clear, <laughs> so that there's no mistake. So yeah, they're dragging him along. They knock him into a rock. He falls over into a swamp. They're all being pulled under. The radio is the last one to go and starts playing "Mammy" by Al Jolson. As uh, yeah, wouldn't have it now, would you? Nope. As a, as, a, as a swan okay. song. And just in the nick of time, he gets a man grabs the radio and goes, hey, a radio, um, and chucks and grabs them all out and chucks them into the back of his monster truck. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not a... He's <laughs> no, a monster truck. Never explained. He's just a guy yeah. roaming around in a monster With truck. With a monster truck. Um, and, he, and a dog called Quadruped, <laughs> which, because he gets in and says, good boy, Quadruped, you put your seatbelt on. Great name. Good. <laughs> it's a good little throwaway bit. Good name, yeah. You know, we've had all the, we've had these emotional scene after emotional scene after emotional scene. So it's good to have a bit of silliness with a dog called Quadruped. <laughs> it turns out this guy runs a repair shop, and they he takes him to the back room, and then this is this is a real like dark, creepy bit. Yeah, there's another song here as well, isn't there? There is, yeah. Which I think was called House of Wax, or it's a B movie song. Do you want me to tell you what it's called? Yes, please. It is called It's a B-Movie. Okay. Good work. 
Hold on. Yeah, so there's there's a there's a blender and a gramophone and a creepy monster-looking ceiling light that comes down. Yeah, so the main... With a vaguely French accent. No, it's a Peter Law impression. Oh. It's Phil Hartman again. Okay. Um, and Phil Hartman is, um, again, uh, like John Lovett, it's an incredibly funny man that people um, would know from from some of his acting, but also in this country especially, would know from voice work like on The Simpsons and other um, stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's Peter Law. I think of it as that kind of creepy Halloween voice. It's like, yes, master. You know, yeah, Vincent Price's assistant. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's that sort of... That vibe, mm. um, because this whole kind of thing is because they're they're all like Frankenstein uh, appliances. Because the the pawn shop guy is kind of like ripping the innards out of one thing and putting it with another, and so they're all like mutant Frankenstein type uh, appliances. Yeah, or he's just he's like like he takes a blender in this one, Ritz, because the guy says he needs a blender motor. He's like, oh, I just got a shipment in. Takes the one. Yeah, blender I don't he's... understand this, Will. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we see him use the blender. Yes. The guy makes something in the blender, drinks it straight down, mm-hmm. and then a customer comes in and says, have you got any blender motors? And he's like, oh, yeah, I just got a huge shipment in. Why not just say, I got, yeah, I've got one? Ah, because, this yeah. is, I'll tell you what it is. Okay. When he, when he finally rips the guts out of this blender, puts it into a box and marks it $5.95, he's passing off old parts as new. So saying, right. I've got a shipment in, is like, oh, yeah, here it is. They're brand new. They're brand new. Where actually, no, they're not. They're crappy pulled out of a swamp. Yes. That, you know, that's, that's old and knackered. <laughs> that's why half the things on the shelves are broken. Because he's like, oh, I'll take the bit out of them, stick it into a box and sell it to them. My favourite thing from the shelves yep. is the t- tape deck. Oh. Reel-to-reel um, tape, obviously female, because the tapes are tits. <laughs> tape. I've written down tape deck tits. Because <laughs> they've got that little gap in them. The old reel-to-reels have so you can you see how much... Nip? No, the old gap in the side so you can see how much tape is left to run down on each reel. Oh, right, yeah. Or how much is round up on each reel. And there's a bit, and it kind of goes in, it, like it spins round, like, you know, like they're an old burlesque dancer and their nipple tassels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Anyway, they beat, they managed to beat a retreat from this, they escaped from this guy, uh, along with all the other appliances, by scaring him. They sort of dress up and leave the toaster and the blanket and the hoover and Kirby and basically to c- kind of convince him they're a ghost. And um, he gets scared by his own reflection, knocks out, so they all escape. And before you know it, yeah. they're in the city, and we finally catch up with the master. Yes, I wanted to talk about this, mm-hmm. because we, have, we haven't really known what's happened to the master. No. We've only got what they think is going on um, for information, and this one photo that Blanky keeps within its folds. <laughs> so now this is our first chance to see him. Mm-hmm. He now has three framed photographs of himself through the years on his bedside <laughs> he has um yeah the same one, that's in the same cabin. one as the cabin he was obviously very fond of that one <laughs> and then a few years older and then a graduation shot with like his mortarboard on where he's yeah. graduating from i guess it must be high school high school and uh because he's off to college hmm. this is the age that he's at he's going to go off to college yeah it's nice to see him. He's, um, you know, he's grown up a bit. It looks less of a freaky kid. Yeah. Got himself a nice girlfriend. She yeah. looks lovely. They don't. They don't look at all like a believable couple. She's there looking like eighties and like cool. She's got the she, baseball oh, cap. Oh, she seems way too cool for him. The jacket, and he's there wearing the same pullover he was as a kid. 
and you know, massive baggy <laughs> jeans and uh... no, I kind of like them as a couple. Yeah, I, think... I just couldn't see it. No, I I like them. I think of them as like a trendy kind of hipster couple. Like he's 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 like he's Neville Longbottomed a bit. He's Neville Longbottomed. Is that, that have you heard this expression? Uh, this is where they they the hot nerd is it? Well, it, no, it's like when you were an ugly kid <laughs> and you get cast as Neville Longbottom, but then you grow up and people see that you're now an adult and they're like, oh, oh damn, um, he's fine. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know that he's all the way like hot, but I feel like he's grown up into himself. He's, he, he, he's got a certain nerd appeal. Okay. And she, yeah, she seems very cool, mm. but like... When we go to the dump later on, she also seems incredibly excited to be there. So she's got some problems. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's... <laughs> she's not perfect, is what I'm saying. But I like them as a couple. Yeah. They seem cool. They're, they've got all this for life, you know, we're going off to college. Everything's exciting. I love them as a couple. Yeah. So, you leave them alone. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, touched a nerve there. Uh, <laughs> so they so basically But just... we hear a gut punch line. He says to his mum, we're going to go to the old cabin. To pick up the radio and some stuff because I can take that off to college with me. I take that; that'll be good for the dorm. Yeah. What a gut punch! Because uh, I have to be honest; those items, having been on their own for two thousand days, the for sale sign, you think he's never coming back. Yeah. And you also think maybe he won't even want them. He'll have got new stuff. Well, absolutely, and and this is what the ploy that the appliances in the house. When because the other appliances miss him by like a gnat's whisker, that you know they miss him by that much. He's in the car shooting off up to the cabin. Yeah, they turn up and the radio goes. It's all right. I know the secret appliance knock. Yes, which apparently you need four other appliances to drum on at the same time. I think I think clock radio is full of shit. Right. I don't think there is a secret appliance knock. I think if you just knock then the appliances will open. So you mean if I go up to a house and knock, an appliance opens the door, and I have to pretend like... No, Will, because this isn't real. Well, yeah, I know, but you, you can't you can't put that kind of consistency in there of saying, you know, there's no secret appliance knock, because if anyone knocks, an appliance will answer the door. But I think they know an appliance knock. I don't think, it's, I don't think it needed to be that one. <laughs> I think it's just, you know, it's a low-down knock. Oh, so it's a knock on the bottom two feet of the door. Yeah. All right, what if it's what else like, is it going to be? A well, ferret? What if it's a fridge knocking at the top of the door? Or the middle of the door? Why would a fridge be in the hallway? What? Why would a radio, a blanket, a toaster and a hoover be in the door? Because <laughs> they've gone on a beautiful journey to find their master. <laughs> Touché. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, get in the, they get into the apartment. They're looking around. The other appliances start kind of conspiring. Conspiring. They meet up with TV though, and we find out that TV was at the cabin as well. But they brought TV back to the apartment. Yeah. So TV's catching up with them. The other appliances do a high tech techno song. Yes, another song. Again, I am not fond of the songs. No, no. Did you want to guess at the title of this one? No, I couldn't even get any of the lyrics in this one. Cutting edge. Cutting edge. Okay, fitting. Makes sense. Fitting, yeah, because there's like a personal computer and there's a hi-fi and there's a, a TV, there's a better lamp. Um, yeah, a real high-tech lamp. <laughs> a super high-tech lamp, but probably a dimmer, probably a dimmer lamp. Oh, I bet it's got a dimmer. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe it's a touch base lamp, you know, one of those. No. 
You hate a touch base lamp. I don't like a touch base lamp. I feel like I can feel the electricity in me. You can. Yeah. Well, I don't like that. No. I don't want that. <laughs> First few years of going out, I my bedside lamp was a, was a touch touch base lamp. I made I, you get rid of it. Yeah, you hated it. Yeah. I said, it's me or the lamp. <laughs> Luckily. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily. I find that hidden somewhere now. No, I got rid of that lamp. Okay. <laughs> got rid of it, all right? <laughs> Perfectly good lamp, and I had to get rid of it. <laughs> Just because it freaked you out touching the vase. <laughs> They all get dumped out the window uh, by the other appliances. Yeah, they get rid of them. And they get rid of them and they end up being, they get taken to Ernie's disposal. The TV clocks this, though. All while this is going on, the master's back up at the cottage, seeing the havoc that his appliances have wrought and thinking someone's broken in and smashed the place up and nicked all his stuff. Yes. Yeah, and he's really disappointed that his stuff's not there. I have to say, if you leave your stuff for 2,000 days, you can't be that bothered about it. No. That's, I mean, what is that? That's like five, six years. Yeah. 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 So after five or six years, do you think that you really want that clock radio that much? If I had a second house I could drive to in an afternoon that's a cabin, I would go there more frequently than five or six years. Well, I kept expecting them to say a reason that they'd been away. Because he says, oh, we used to come here every summer for as long as I can remember. Um, Which, fine. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Because then I can see why the appliances kept expecting him to come back because mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that long in between um, other times. But why did they stop? He never says why he stopped. Yeah. Master and Chris get back to the, the house and his mum's like, oh, you can take some Why master. is it that we're calling him Master and she's got a name? Because I, I don't think they ever say his name. I think his name's Rob. Okay. But I, Rob. You're right. I don't remember them saying okay. it. <laughs> but it does feel... I feel like the the relationship between the appliances and him would be strengthened if they had a better name for him than Master. Yes. So it feels a bit Also, odd. here's a question. Right. They call him Master. They must know his name because they look up his address in the phone book. Yeah. But you can call somebody something different and still know their name. Like, I call my parents Mum and Dad, but I know their names. Yeah, but you don't call me exclusively Mum and Dad. What do you mean? Like, if you were on a journey... You, like I don't, know, I just feel like if you, if you had like if your say if your if your mum was like a professor, you wouldn't be like oh I must get back to the professor. Oh I don't know. Well I don't know what you're saying really. I'm just saying it just feels like an odd thing just that they permanently refer to him as master or the master and not like Rob. You know it's not that much to shout no, Rob I'm, once or twice. No, if you call somebody by something, that's literally what you know them by. Why would you just throw in their name occasionally? For for variation, That'd for variety. That would be sloppy filmmaking. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dad, 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 dad. And then I'll just throw out Keith. What? That would be strange. Well, no, because the thing is, it's a, it's a, it's a change in, in emotional intensity. Professor. It's a change in emotional intensity, you know, if you get someone shouting, like, their surname or, or their title, and then the last, at the critical moment in the junkyard, they're like, Rob! And then he turns and sees them, it's like, oh, that's my stuff over there. How'd it get there? That isn't the relationship they have with him. They don't call him Rob. How much plainer can I say that? I'm just saying they should do. Oh, I don't think they should call him Master, but I think having a name for him, like, like in, I was going to say the like bedroom boy. Like in Bicentennial Man, where he calls him like, right. Little Miss. Little Miss. Yeah. Don't like that, but sure. <laughs> Let's get into it, right? Right. Okay. 
He's been to the cabin. They're not there. He comes back. The TV is the only one who knows that they've been taken to the dump. Yes. So the TV now goes on an epic battle to convince the master that he should go to the dump. Mm-hmm. It's called Ernie's Disposal. He's selling it to them he, on the TV. He was doing the most that he can do. Go to Ernie's Emporium, Ernie's Bargain Warehouse. He's calling it every name under the sun. All while we are in one of the most intense scenes in children's cinema. Oh, gosh. It is devastating. This is what I really remember. This is what I really, really remember. I can understand it. You can cut the tension with a knife. Because they are are there Mm -hmm. and they see uh, a huge swinging magnet that will come and pick them up. They see it, you know, picking up cars and stuff. And then they see those cars on a conveyor belt going through a chomper. Mm Mm-hmm. And those cars are cut down to tiny bricks. Tiny bricks. Like the tiniest cube imaginable from a car. I mean, there's a song here as well. Yes, there is another song. Which I believe is called Worthless. Uh, I think that you are correct on this one. And this is basically all these these cars (laughs) saying what they did, all the things they did in their lives, and then saying, but they called me Worthless incredible you i don't think you'd pitch that for a kids movie now no i don't think you pitch that for any movie now (laughs) yeah no they basically say i was in the like um the indy 500 and i uh drove a man to a churchyard was that yeah someone's like i drove a texas man to get married and and they say all these things and then they're like but now they call me worthless and it's it's really quite hard to hear because each of them has their like one or two lines and then they're carried off to this chomper yeah and you they do sort of spare you the seeing the impact of the chomper on them you don't see it directly on them no you see bits fly off into the around the screen but i mean oh what a this this really is like this should be put up as this is like the the poster for the make do amend you know revolution yeah, this this is this is what it is. Everyone's watching the repair shop, but for the for the emotional gut punch, this is an emotional gut punch. So you think you could get people to reduce, reuse, well, recycle I, I if, think, if they watch this? The thing is, I I think you know when when Toy Story came out, there was all those kids who basically never want. There was that, all those stories about kids who didn't want to get rid of their toys yeah. when they grow up because of Toy Story. I think you know if you'd shown them this as well and extended onto household goods, yeah. <laughs> all you need now is one about clothes. And we can do away with fast fashion. You've got it all figured out. Yep. All the world's problems can be saved by a brave little toaster. Yes. You should write your own essay and then we can make a film off of it. Brave little toaster. The bold argyle sweater. You know, all these things. Make it. Yeah. I mean, there is the shoe people. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, the shoe people. I remember that. I don't think that did much for um, shoes. No. Well, I think, again, they... (laughs) No, I don't think it did do much for shoes. <laughs> but then I think you know shoes are shoes. Shoes will be all right. Shoes will shoes will live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't worry about shoes. Much more utilitarian shoes and uh, a lot of other things. Well, maybe men's shoes. Yeah, have you seen some of these women's shoes? Oh, I know. But things some of these women's shoes they got now. You, you can't go many places without shoes. You know, you can get you can get by without a lot of sweaters, I but you can't get by without. I, I barely shoes. wear a shoe. Well, you, if you're going out and about, if you're like yeah. out. You know, you can't walk over uneven ground. You can walk over uneven ground without a jumper. You can't walk over uneven ground without a pair of shoes. You'd be surprised where I can go without shoes. Yeah. 
Yeah, coming back from the clubs when I used to get pissed. Oh. I've come through any terrain without shoes. Like because you you get bored of your heels. They're too they're too painful. Take them off. I used to come tramping back through wet leaves, all sorts, concrete, whatever it was. I'd, I'd walk on it. Why has no one yet made like a pair of you know you get those like foot socks? Yeah. That just go around, just literally go around your feet. Yeah. Like just the base of your foot and stuff. Why has no one ever come yet with a pair of those that roll up? But they've got like a rubberized sole. I'm sure these things exist. Will mm. the truth is right when you go on a night out, you basically want to be carrying nothing, mm-hmm. right? So I have had purses that fit like a credit card, but I couldn't have fit any cash in them. They're so small. There's no way I'm taking up a pair of rolled up rubber soled slip on feet. And even if I did, the nights when I'm drunk enough to walk home barefoot, I was not sober enough to think, let me get me rubber soles on. <laughs> Honestly, it just just let people have a good time. Fair you don't need to, you don't need to dragon's den every problem. All right, right? just okay. let people have their fun. It's a million dollar idea. Definitely not. <laughs> I'll never catch on. I'm sure they exist. <laughs> but anyway, so we've got the appliances now running through the junkyard, trying to escape the magnet. The magnet is smashing the place to pieces. You know they keep. They're infuriating this magnet because oh. this is also sentient. Yeah. And they're infuriating it because they keep evading. They get off the conveyor and they, yeah, they are um, making it target them. And there's all these moments where they're like, okay, well, we'll just go prone because the master's about to see us. And then the last second he'll look away or the magnet will sweep did him we talk away. about? Did we talk about when he arrives? No. He arrives and finds the photo of himself, the oh, blankie yeah. has dropped, right? And this guy has just had about an hour of targeted advertising telling him to go to a place that's supposed to be a bargain warehouse. When he arrives, it is a deserted junkyard. And the first thing that he finds when he gets there is a photograph of himself as a child. That would freak me out. It would freak me out. He has no questions. No. He's like, this is a bit weird. <laughs> uh, he hasn't... He, he, <laughs> he should be shitting himself. He should be thinking, there's a serial killer around every corner. Let me get back in this car and go. Get out of here. Oh, amazing. So he gra- gradually, though, he does. He finds the blanket. He finds the radio. He finds the lamp. He finds the hoover. And then suddenly he's picked up and put onto the conveyor belt. The magnets dump more stuff on him. He can't get away. He's going towards the jumper. His arm is like outstretched, pinned. He's going towards it. And he, yeah, an actual. Yeah, he's going to be. He's, he's out. shouting for help. Chris can't see him. She's like, stop dicking about. She loves this junkyard. Oh, she's she finding is, is in the background of shot every time, going, "Oh, look at this." She's loving it. She is. She lo- does not notice that he's about to get chomped. No, and so the, who does notice the toaster? The brave little toaster. The brave little toaster spots the gears, and the brave little toaster in a. In a feat of self-sacrifice, yeah. throws itself into the gears of the machine and jams them up just as he's about to be crushed. Yeah. And saves him. And oh that uh, It's a it's the dramatic high point of the film because after this we get some, you know, just some nice little wrapping up scenes of and, and you see all the other um items in the house and and you're worried at first that maybe the toaster didn't make it, but then you see that uh, Rob has fixed him up. Yeah. He's fixing up the toaster. Chris is saying, what's the matter with you? Just get a new one. No, 
He knows that toast is important. He goes, where else could I get a toaster like this? And it looks like a piece of shit. Hold it down, it's hammered shit with springs coming out of it. But it makes toast again. He does make toast again, yes, because he makes toast with it, and then they're off. They're off to college with all these, all the appliances in the in the boot of the car. Without the boot being shot. Without the boot being shot, just and that must be very a setup. careless. The, uh, an obvious sequel there. Obvious sequel <laughs> as he drops all of his possessions <laughs> on the highway. Yeah, but um, it's interesting, isn't it? That that you know dramatic moment at the end with the brave little toaster, mm. um, because you obviously feel that that is the moment that justifies the title. Yeah, but that wasn't in the novella. Really? They added that in. Oh. They added that in specifically for the toaster, to make the toaster the brave little toaster. But really, this film should have been about Kirby, the vacuum cleaner. He's done all the work, none of the credit. <laughs> I just can't get over it. I just can't get over it. <laughs> oh, amazing. So there we are, Liz, the brave little toaster. We finally got there. I'm so happy we watched it. <laughs> I'm so happy that you now know what this film is. Yes. Because there were, there were two things I needed help with, right? Right. What was that blanket and soap about? And it's an electric blanket. And I figured that out as a mystery that's, you know, it's solved. Stamp. And also, is this film traumatic? Because I, I thought of it as being really quite dark and emotionally draining on me as a kid. Watching it as an adult, yeah. I was right. I, yeah, I think this is a... I mean, we've preempted the question, so Brave Little Toaster, how do you like me now? Oh, I'm so sorry. Please do ask your question. <laughs> so, Liz, Brave Little Toaster, how do you like me now? No, no, ask it with some preamble. Go on. Well, Liz, there we are. We've watched Brave Little Toaster. So, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> oh, had you, had you said it that time? No. No, no, no. no, no. So, say, say the question. Say the question. How do you like me now? I, I really enjoyed it. Mm. I do see flaws in it. The animation may be not amazing. The songs I just don't like. The songs are dire. I really don't like them. But I do think the emotion of this film is so, so compelling. Uh, and I, I just, I think it's really good. I think it's brilliant. Well, I, th- I think the thing is, for me, not, if I'd gone into this cold, I would have thought, okay, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good film. Yeah, the song's a bit rubbish, but the, it really does carry the emotional weight. But knowing from you telling me that it, obviously this is effectively the first Pixar movie, you can see those elements that go on to become great Pixar mm. in that emotional gut punch and in those character-led things, and they ditch things like songs that don't work. Yeah, you know, actually this this has the feel of a development thing. I think this is this is this is good. This was a good engaging film. Yeah, and yeah, really, like yeah, got those emotional stakes at times. It's, do you think um, do you think a, a kid today would enjoy it as much as I did as a kid? I mean, I think this is always a question we kind of ask ourselves. I mm. think they would. I think you could show this to kids today and they would get on board with it. Yeah. Um. I think yeah, this has got a feel to me of like you know this doesn't feel tied to like the eighties or something else. Some of the technology, the some of the appliances definitely are. But uh, yeah, I think there's no it, smartphone in there. There's... No, that's true. No, I, yeah, I think it would still work. I mean, I think it does. It do, it depends on the kid and it depends on the age because there's an age at which it, if you, you're too young, it would either be traumatizing or boring. <laughs> and if you're too old, that it's like oh, it, it would either be you, you're getting the emotional beats or you, you just 
think it's for kids. So it is. I think it's a difficult one to pitch in terms of age. But I do think, uh, for me, it holds up. Yeah. It holds up. Well, I agree with you. There we are. Brave little toaster. Done. Liz, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Will. I've really enjoyed this. Um, can I ask you, what do you think we're going to be back with next time? Well, next time, I think we're going to have another pitch battle for people. I think I think it's going to be uh, you know I've, we've got ideas I think we're going to I think I've I've certainly got an idea of something I want to pitch next time. Have you? Yeah, I have. Something a bit different I think from what we've done recently. All right. Well, then I'll put my thinking cap on. Okay. Well, there we are. So, thank you everyone for listening. Please tune in next week for a pitch battle. We'll be back soon. Until then, let us know what you thought of Brave Little Toaster. Let us know what you thought of this episode. As always, don't forget to rate, like, subscribe, share, tweet in, tweet at, tweet us. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, and of course you can find us on Twitter. Until then, thank you very much.